Tonight, we welcome a creative force and a powerful presence in the North Bay music scene for the last 10 years. Our guest tonight has dedicated himself to music, and his reputation precedes him. He's released four self-produced full-length albums, has guitar credits on many other records, and does production work at his own Gremlin Tone Studios, which he co-founded in 2014. A towering figure in our indie music scene, please welcome to the program John Courage, along with bandmates Jared Maddox and Jamie Payne. How long have you been playing music for? Music in general, uh, it's closing on 21 years, 22 years. I think 22, really, you know, for just playing guitar. What are your early memories of John Kerr? You know, <laughs> well, let's see. I, I don't know if it'll make it to, or not. Uh, I remember the first time I noticed John Courage was after uh, I'd been dealing with John Palmer on the phone. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> when he didn't show up, uh, John Courage... I, I was confused for the first five minutes of his set here. That was I, the best part was that you yeah. could book shows on the answering machine. Yes, you could. You know, I couldn't figure out how to get shows at the Phoenix. And they're yeah. like, no, you got to call this number. Yep. And you couldn't get the number online. You know, it was like it was passed around on this scrap of paper. Yeah. I, was, I think it's 7630225. Ah, right? that was, yep. That was my old number. Yeah, that was the one. Was, I still remembered it because at one point I was afraid I was going to lose the paper and uh, I just committed it. That was to my last machine. landline. He has been playing here since 98, and we've been blessed at the Phoenix to get, I think, almost every incarnation of your stuff. Yeah. You know, I remember I remember uh, uh, some watershed moments, I think, in his musical career and a discussion we had before you left town one time. Uh, I think it was going to be one of your first moves out of town, and you were going to find it on the road. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, I... I, I knew that was going to be an incredible growth period for you. And when you did get back to this area, you had grown incredibly musically. So you moved to Washington for a while, and then you moved to Santa Fe for a while. Yeah. Sometimes people grow up in a place, and they're like, this isn't working, I need to find the right place. So you yeah. move to a new place, mm-hmm. you get there, you're like, this isn't working, I need to find yeah. the right place. which inevitably you go, everywhere I go, damn, there I am. <laughs> you know, you can travel the world, you can go on tour, you can try to lose yourself in some weird corner of whatever country or state or city. It's the same thing. All all the, the battles and struggles that you would have internally and any shortcomings that you would have. I mean, really, if you can't figure out how to make it in a scene that doesn't exist, I mean, you know, there's opportunity in big cities like New York, L.A., Austin or whatever, but I was never magnetized towards that sort of thing you know i moved to other small towns basically i moved to olympia washington and i moved to santa fe and you know santa rosa where i grew up has more people than either of those cities so i essentially moved to smaller places i guess my question is did the emergence of like a strong folk americana scene draw you back here or would you have come back here anyway sort of i came back and i did a cd release show and i knew that i had to move back you know i played with some friends and Santa Fe is very isolated. It's a fantastic spot, but there's a you hit a glass ceiling in your first six months, you know. So Guy Clark recently passed away, 
and that touched you. I saw you posted about it. Uh, and I want to read something you wrote about it because I think that music from people like him and others is what kind of led well, which has shaped your aesthetic and made you the musician that you are today. And you wrote that as musicians, as artists, as a culture, it's important to know the giants that came before us, lest we think that we have created something we've never seen before. The originators of hand-hewn music are passing away weekly, it seems. And I would like to acknowledge what an inimitable foundation has been laid for us. Were you a fan of artists like that when you were younger? Is is that what led you to it? Or did you... I don't how did, know. How did you come upon music that basically a lot of your peers weren't playing? Accidentally, you know, it just sort of happened. I think any of us that play sort of like anachronistic stuff, it just... I didn't grow up with it. I don't have any story about, you know, growing up. My parents didn't really play a whole lot of music growing up. I know my mom will argue with me otherwise when she hears that hears me say that, but I grew up in a in sort of a strict religious environment. My parents have sort of loosened up over time, you know. But at the time there was a very strict parameters on what music I could have in the house, you know. Like I have a very clear memory of my friend loaning me uh I think it was Rage Against the Machines. Is it their first or second album that has the Buddhist monk on fire? I think it's the second one. And um so I took that home. It's got the one, it's got killing in the name on it. And it gets down to the breakdown on that, you know, and my dad comes, I had it cranked in my room with the door shut and my dad comes through the door and I had one of those like three disc changer stereos, it picks up the whole thing, yanks it out of the wall and throws it across the wall. He's like, what are you listening to? And I just played the, like, honest to God, he, he, he yeah. destroyed the equipment because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm sorry, my friend. I didn't know what was on the CD, and I totally knew. I was like, I asked my friend. I was like, Hey, do you have that song? It's like, Fuck you! I won't do what you tell me. And I was like, That's the song I wanted. You know, I was like, I wanted to get hyped up. At I think I was 12, 11 or twelve. You know, and so. it was the first album. They're self-titled. Yeah, released thank in you. Ninety-two. Thanks. Yeah, and so and it, and yeah, so that was the sort of musical environment I had at home. You know. So it was not like all the musical uh, exploration I did was afterwards. 21 years you've been doing this. Yeah. Playing music. Yikes. Uh, What has changed in that time? Did you have a a different expectation or intent with the music 21 years ago? Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, so when I started, I was 11. So I'm 32. And starting at 11, you don't don't know how to get shows. You don't. I mean, I guess I had a show... I had a show by the time I was 12. Like I started a band real quick. I was pretty sure that I was supposed to be in a band and I was supposed to play guitar with other musicians, you know? A lot of people, maybe you guys have seen this happen. A lot of people, when they get to be in their late 20s, early 30s, sometimes they walk away from music to do other things. Sometimes they come back. Sometimes they don't come back. Have you ever had um, an encounter like that or an experience like that where you thought, I don't want to do this anymore? All the time. Yeah. Really? All the sure, time? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think any, anybody does, especially at this point in life, you know, you get to yeah. a certain point with your job and, and your lifestyle and you're like, should I keep doing this? And I mean, it's on some level, we have that conversation all the time when we hang out at, when we're playing music together at my place, you know, I think it's on like, some level it comes up in the music actually doesn't, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the best music written is about the frustration of being on the road. Right. And I mean, you know, and ultimately at this point, like touring isn't what it was 20 years ago, like, you know, and so now, especially with blah, 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 how much it costs to live here, how, how little I make, how little we make playing music. 
it, touring isn't a very logistical thing once you hit a certain age because you get used to comforts. You got a place that you rent and like you got to keep up with that. You know, it's you gone are the days of living it. in a punk house and like, hey, 350 bucks for my room for this month. No problem. You know, so I wish, but I don't, you know, it's uh, so I uh, ultimately, yeah, the struggle exists, but you just do it, you know, to me, fully stopping or quitting just isn't it's not an option it's one of those things like you know you turn 30 and you make these certain decisions you know you see that i think it's one of those ages that people turn and you see a dividing line like there's some people that ride the they keep riding the party train and they keep living too hard into their 30s and by the time you hit 40 if you've been doing that for the past 10 years it really catches up i think when people hit 40 that's when you really start seeing the long-term effects of that uh, in musicians, you see at 30 people either dig in or they quit, That's what you know, earlier, you yeah. double, you double down and if you, you have to find your own reason for doing it. Like I said, for me, for the beginning, it was always just about the instrument. I doubled down because I love guitars, you know? And what makes you different than a lot of musicians is I think you love the music, whereas a lot of people yeah. love the idea of being known. Yeah, and, and I mean has, that's that a, that's a, a shorter, nice that has a, uh, a much shorter shelf life than if you love the actual stuff that you're producing. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really nice idea, and of course it's enticing, and it, it, to a certain extent, it's always going to be that carrot on the stick of like I'd love for more people to be familiar with the tunes that I create, with the musicians that I'm making the music with. But at the end of the day, if there was no internet, if nobody was paying attention. I'd still have that beat up Martin and I'd still be out in a trailer in the woods playing guitar. Have there been any like big adventures, big highs or big lows on tour that you ever think about uh, where it's like, boy, I'm in a room with somebody I never thought I'd be in the room with and boy, things have just gotten crazy or boy, I don't know if we're going to survive this thing. Hmm. Any, anything like that jump out? And again, it's edited so I can cut it out if <laughs> yeah. there's nothing. You kick it off, Jared. What's yeah. your, yeah. Well, if I'm being very candid, I, for me, I, I had that moment where I wondered if I was going to come out alive. And that was just, you know, it wasn't one night, but it was over years of some real substance abuse that I was involved in. And I kind of just many times went, man, you know, I wonder, wonder if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. You know, I wasn't part I wasn't with anybody famous. It was just me and my stuff. I'm going to jump ahead because I want to try something here. And that, I, th I thank you for saying that. I want to combine the last two things we just talked about and talk about how you, John, have been an inspiration to people in the Bay Area or rather the North Bay. And sometimes I think it doesn't feel like that. If you've just got your head down and you're doing your thing, you kind of, sometimes it feels like who's listening and who's not. But I want to tell a story. Uh, you have a song from your 2010 album. Album was Lovers Without a Care. Song is called Angel of Death. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is an interesting thing. I want to play just one part of the song for you, if you don't mind. And we'll come back to the crazy tour stuff. But here, I'm going to play a part of the song right now for you. So, that's... Um, this is a song that I'd heard a, a bunch before... Uh, a year or two after this, didn't know it was your song, had no idea that the version that I was hearing was not your version. Do you know where I'm going with this at all? Dominic played it. Okay. Yeah. So my brother passed away of a heroin overdose in 2011, uh, four years younger than me. He was seeking treatment, had a relapse, went out, didn't make it back essentially. 
he was living far away. We got all his stuff back. Found uh, a collection of cassettes that he had recorded on the beach. Hmm. And it was like the last musical stuff that he had produced. Uh, one of those was just kind of like a mess around thing he was doing, uh, playing with different people's lyrics. One of them was yours. It, it was widely thought of as his song. And then I saw you playing it at Aubergine's once. And I was like, holy shit, that wasn't his song at all. That was, it wasn't anything he was working on at all. That was something wow. John was working on. So I don't know if you've heard his really, uh, kind of a rough thing but I'll, here's just him no longer with us singing the section of that song I'll stay in your arms even if the Lord takes me tonight wild so yeah wild. he was down in Newport Beach and uh, trying to recover from the heroin addiction and you had released this album in 2010 this was February of 2011 wow and I actually didn't even know that he, your music was on his radar. I knew you both were Sonoma County folk guys and all yeah. that, but I had no idea that he would seek out your music and listen to it uh, above and beyond just like playing on a show with you or whatever. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's super Absolutely, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's cool to me because, you know, Josh, you mentioned Sharkmouth is somebody, uh, or rather Josh James Jackson, someone, you know, Sharkmouth yeah. is his project. He was on this show a few months ago and he mentioned growing up in Sonoma County, watching you from afar playing and seeing you and very he said this on the show that seeing what you did made him want to do what you did like he wanted to do that yeah it's wild to hear stuff like that i know like i know, you I know said, it is. sometimes you're just like this and especially in i mean it really is a north bay thing you know i mean it's like i i've never made any big steps into san francisco or oakland or whatever so it's really just like but part of re kind of like repositioning and, and redefining what success is is i think saying like that's okay because touching, that's touching, enough like right there honestly that like what you just played me and what josh has said to me is God, that's that's more than a lot of people could ever ask for you know and check it out this way too because you and uh, my brother dominic you weren't friends i mean you shared a really yeah, you, we're you were like acquaintances, acquaintances. Yeah. yeah you shared a really close friend in chesco but yeah. to my knowledge it was like you guys never hung out so no. the fact that this essentially uh, you know kind of a, a stranger slash acquaintance had a connection to your music, that's a great thing. And I would venture to guess that there are more people out there. When you do something like this long enough, <laughs> this is what happens. I mean, right, yeah. it, it, stuff happens in the background that you don't even know. And I, I just think it's a really good reminder for anybody pursuing something that sometimes seems hopeless, or maybe you don't know if anybody's listening, that people are. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, there are always these sort of like staggering moments, Yeah, you know? Yes. Because it it's that sort of like zoom out pan out shot and you see the earth as this little tiny speck in the universe you know and like if the one if this song that i mean i wrote that song in a bedroom at my parents house you know i was still living with my folks when i wrote that song so if that song has some sort of life and exists in someone else's sphere in a different in a totally different moment in a totally different life and in a different way that it resonates with them that's i don't know I, it's hard to say it's really hard to to verbalize yeah. what that means you know sometimes it kind of feels like what's the point and right. the, the point is that the point is that it is touching people yeah so thanks man and i mean yeah. i do believe in it that's why i'm doing the studio that's why i've sort of like diversified what i do uh in recording other bands you know committing to anachronistic ways of recording on tape and stuff like i think it means something you know i don't know that i'll see the results but maybe those results will be down some sort of ripple effect three or four layers from there, you know, that 
the shark mouth EP ends up in some 12 year old's hands and then ends up in their brother's hands and their brother hears this song that we recorded. You know, it's stuff that you do that seems incidental. You know, I played bass on my friend Emily Jane White's first record and it seemed like such an incidental thing. Like we, uh, she was sitting on the back of the couch because we couldn't figure out how to do a dummy guitar track, you know? So she literally overdubbed her guitar by accident. And years later, I was in France in a weird town where I'd never been before. And some dudes, like, I, every every house in the French country is kind of like a castle. But to, <laughs> to my memory, it's like a French castle. And this guy was like, Puto merde, you know Emily Jane White play hole in the middle. And I was like, yeah, I wrote that bass line. He was like, losing it, you know? And I was like, here I am. I'm halfway across the world in this song that we sort of just... We just recorded at a friend's house. And Emily Jane White's a Santa Rosa person, right? Originally from Mendocino. Spent some time in Santa Rosa, though. Spent some time in Santa Rosa, and then spent some time in... She lives in Oakland now. But uh, is a musician, yeah. and uh, through some sequence of events, is very popular in France. Hugely popular. Hugely popular like, in France. Hugely, like, I was talking to a random dude in a French castle, right? Like, that's that, that's yeah. what I was trying to and contextualize. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I went and saw Juana Molina perform uh, to a sold-out independent, and she opened up and I'd never heard it before and I was talking to the the, the guys next to me and I was like oh you f- you know you fan of Juana Molina oh, no we came for Emily and they're yeah. French yeah and I was like really I was like yeah. you know and then I fa- found out through Dan kind of her story and everything and yeah she's got that thing where she's like from here and popular over there yeah you know? she broke like right after we did that record she got a write up in Rolling Stone there's just something about the adventure and about the possibility. If anybody's contemplating quitting, I would say don't. You can change how you do it. I also think there's a great disservice we do to ourselves as independent musicians and probably more so now with the internet and this push to promote and a push to do this and to share your band and to get likes and to pay Facebook to put your, your post up a bunch of times or whatever. There's a big push for that in the independent community. And I think that you can still totally be satisfied and have an engaging interaction through music without buying into any of that, you know? And I think that sort of push burns a lot of people out. To be honest, I'm terrible at the computer side of things. I don't have a smartphone. I can barely keep it together as far as technology stuff that isn't total lizard brain Facebook posts. Inevitably, I think that's part of what's going on with where I'm at in my career. It's just a word of mouth thing. It's me playing live around the area. And when I can get out on the road, I do, you know, but there's a huge satisfaction in waking up every morning and playing my guitar. And I encourage everybody else that feels a little bit burned out on the rat race end of it. It's just self-imposed. It's just something that like they told independent bands at a some point in time. And we all bought into this like idea that we have to do this and tour and get a white van and drive around and get your trailer ripped off in LA and like all this stuff. Like you don't have to do it that way. You know, there's plenty of ways to do it. I suggest just waking up every morning and playing your guitar and remembering why you do it in the first place. I feel like, I feel like I grew up kind of pretty fast, you know, as, as a, as a kid, but I grew up even faster when I was on the road and meeting endless people, you know, every single night that are inspiring. And, and now that I'm, I'm studying writing right now at, at, at Berkeley and I draw on my experiences every time I sit down and, and try to write something, you know, it's the characters that you meet. But I, if I was going to say anything, I, I, I would, you know, if, if someone feels even the slightest bit like they want to speak out about anything, try it. You know, I mean, we need, we need reclusive people as well, but if, you know, 
if you're thinking about going and playing music, I think you should most definitely at least try it, you know, because there's going to be somebody out there that's going to be grateful that you did it. Like, and this is what I love about this conversation. Those clips that you just played, this is like a direct line. That's pure. You know, this is a direct example about like, uh, you know, music being supportive, you know, and you don't always get that, you know, we're, we're so busy always trying to like, you know, get better guitar or make money or, you know, take care of yourself. But like, realistically, it's like, there, there's a reason behind it. And you don't, you might not see it, but you know, yeah. it's beneficial. So it's gonna, it's, it's gonna affect somebody and, you know, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> you know, you are only 32. So it's a weird description I'm going to lay upon you, but you are an elder statesman in terms of the indie <laughs> rock scene in Sonoma County and an inspiration for many people. We talked about a couple of them tonight, but don't forget that because you truly are. Um, so thank you for all the music you've shared with us over the last 21 years and for coming on the show, everyone, uh, for giving us some insight into, you know, what it is that makes you guys the people that you are. Yeah. How old are you, G? Uh, 32. Yeah, That's 30, what I thought. Yeah. I got to watch. I've been watching this kid grow up for a long, long time. And it's been a hell of a cool ride. So, yeah. So the interview is just about over, but everyone who is listening should stick around because in just a moment, John Courage and the band will be playing a number of songs for us, uh, some electric and some acoustic. So, yeah. yeah, my God, stick around for that. And once again, thank you for joining us. Thank tonight, you. Guys. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate Excellent. it.
that I live on I plan to break free but I'll wait until my day
Reach my hand into the rain and I'll touch. 
curse I can escape Press the ring into my fate I touch lightning I touch lightning I touch lightning
Oh. 